We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome into another special offseason edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is September 15th, just about 40 days out from the start of the 2016 17 NBA regular season. Nick Whalen joined today by Rotowire's James Anderson. We want to preview the Western Conference. I'm not going to talk too much uh, about the fantasy implications necessarily uh, in the West, but we're going to give our eight playoff teams, we're going to rank the teams one through 15. Um, looking at your, your rankings already here, I can tell there's going to be some disagreement, but we do not have much disagreement at the top. Uh, there really shouldn't be any disagreement whatsoever. You can skip forward to like the 25 minute mark for, for the hot takes, the real hot takes. Yeah. I mean, the top three here, we're pretty much in agreement. There's a little bit of a flip flop at at two and three to, to tease that, uh, juicy upcoming segment, but the golden state warriors (laughs) are my number one team. You have the golden state warriors too. That's crazy. Great minds think alike, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like what they did this offseason. Yeah, they, they made a move. When you have a chance to get uh, an MVP, a, what, three-time, four-time scoring champ, uh, you usually got to add them. So the Warriors got better at the top. They didn't lose all that much depth. Um, I know you did a little bit of insider research into this, but the Warriors are the heaviest title favorite since maybe ever? Now they are. They they opened at 3-2 to two, the... Um, 97 98 Bulls also opened at three to two. Michael Jordan's last year, the Miami Heat uh, in LeBron's first year, uh, 2010 2011, open at 17 to 10, which is which is close. But then the the public has just been all over the Warriors since that opened at three to two. It's now five to seven, so you have to bet seven to win five, which is relatively unheard of in mm-hmm. in any sport for a, a preseason title favorite. Yeah, and I mean looking at that Miami Heat team. The lack of depth beyond the big three, I think, was was an issue, and you know they were able to overcome it. Obviously, after the first you know and, month, month and a half of the season, and you had like, uh, you know, LeBron had never won a title still at that right. point, so you kind of had that sort of hanging over the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas you know you have this Warriors team has has already won a title; they've already set the record for, for right. most wins in a season. They are adding uh, that they have 
the three best shooters in the league on the same team. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at that Miami team beyond the big three, it was, you know, Mario Chalmers, James Jones, Eric Dampier, Mike Bibby, Eddie House. The Warriors lost a little bit this offseason. They lost Harrison Barnes, who I think the Olympics and the finals kind of tarnished how actually you know, productive <laughs> of an NBA player that he is. But, you know, you still have, um, you know, you still have Ian Clark. You still have Andre Iguodala, a finals MVP. You still have Sean Livingston. You bring in Zaza Pachulia, who, you know, not, certainly not the sexiest name, um, not the sexiest player, but a very productive player at the center spot. You bring in David West. Um, this is not just going to be, you know, a four-man group and a bunch of cast-offs. You know, they're going to go seven or eight deep. Right, and they're going to end a lot of games at halftime. Yes. And they're going to, you know, have all these guys are going to get so much rest during the regular season just based on their, their win margins and the fact that they can, you know, if, if Kerr wants to go Greg Popovich and just give Steph Curry a, a random night off, he can, and it won't matter at all. They're right. still going to get the one seed. So whenever they do actually have a big game coming up on the calendar that might actually be uh, tough you know they'll actually have to try for 48 minutes mm-hmm. all these guys are going to be so well rested right. it's just going to and i mean they they're probably not going to lose at home all season long uh just really hard to to see a scenario that doesn't involve uh big time injuries where mm-hmm. they they don't win the finals well i mean it's easy to forget at one point with about what a month or so left in the regular season last year the spurs were still well within striking distance i think they played golden state 3 times in the mm-hmm. last 15 games or something like that and, you know, had things gone a little bit differently, the Spurs would have actually pushed the Warriors a little bit more for that one seed. The Spurs regressed this offseason. The Thunder certainly regressed. Uh, the Clippers, you know, we'll talk about them in a little bit. If Maybe getting Blake Griffin back helps them a, a tiny bit, but, you know, there's still going to be probably a, a 10 to 15 game gap. So Golden State, you know, they can afford to rest, like you said, even if there's an injury to one of those four guys, there's going to be enough talent on that roster, and there's not going to be enough pressure really behind them uh, to, to pressure them for that one seed at all. You mentioned the five to seven odds, uh, the highest of all time, at least from what we were able to find uh, for, for preseason. Would these odds be even higher or more in the Warriors' favor if the Cavaliers you know, weren't kind of lurking in the East? To me, I think there's not a team in the West that really scares me at all. And I think the only reason that Cleveland scares me is they pulled it off last year. Obviously, Durant joining the Warriors makes this a different team. But I think that the specter of of LeBron being able to kind of slay the dragon as he did last year is is still alive. You know, I, I think it's – I don't really think it factors in a ton. I think it's honestly about as – the odds are as, as absurd as they can possibly be. I mean – you have to factor in injuries. You have to factor in just random, you know, whatever could happen. I mean, at five to seven, it to me it doesn't seem like you could possibly be factoring in another team if you're going to put the odds yeah. at that spot. So, I mean, I, I I know that the Cavs won it last year. Uh, they were down 3-1. They, they probably, you know, variety of scenarios unfold differently. They, they lose that finals. Um, you add Durant, who in the postseason last year – uh, really showed that when he wants to be, he can be one of the best defenders in the league. And, I mean, that just gives them just an incredibly dynamic uh, front court defense. I mean, if you go Clay Thompson, Durant, Draymond Green, and those guys can basically guard. With those three guys, you can pretty much guard any position you want, especially on that Cavs team. Uh, that's just really kind of insane. I mean, it just adds a whole nother um, layer. I mean, obviously the best offense in the league, but when they want to be in the postseason, they're going to be well-rested enough to probably be the best mm-hmm. defense in the league as well. And what's crazy to me is when this team needs to be good, you know, whether whether a big game against the Clippers in the regular season or whether we fast-forward all the way to the playoffs is, yeah, they can put those four guys on the court together. I think that's undoubtedly their best lineup probably going both ways, but you know, there are situations where you can, you can sit Curry for, you know, extended periods of time and just let Kevin Durant, you know, operate as the point guard, essentially. And you can sit Kevin Durant for a long time and let Curry kind of get his for a little bit. So like, all these questions of how are these guys going to mesh together? You know, Draymond Green's somewhat about as ball dominant as a power forward as it gets uh, with the way that they use him. How is he going to you know, coalesce with Durant and Curry, who are so ball-dominant? Like, not all four of these guys have to be on the court for 48 minutes. I, I think people you know, tend to forget that they're going to be staggered and not just playing together all the time. Right. And, yeah, we didn't even mention Clay Thompson right. there. Who, Which is like insane. Clay Thompson's at a point 
in his career where I think he's a top ten player in the league and he can be your your offense. You can rest Clay, or you can rest Steph and Durant at the same time. You can even rest Steph Durant and Draymond at the same time, and Clay's right. still going to get his. So I mean, there's just so many different ways they can go. I mean, even guys like Iguodala, Sean Livingston. Like Sean Livingston's proven that. I mean, if you put a smaller guy on him, he's he's really mm-hmm. impossible to guard on the block. Uh, you know, Iguodala is always going to have the other team's worst defender on him. So I mean, he's going to be able to get uh, pretty easy offense. I mean, it's just there's no there's, <laughs> there's no, no way that they're not going to score. Uh, no, pretty much at will. I mean, if there is a weakness for this team, what is it? Rim protection. Sure. I guess. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that we saw that with Bogut when he went out in the finals. That was kind of the turning point uh, alongside. You know, all the Draymond Green issues. That matters. That matters when you, like, they didn't have anyone that could keep LeBron in front of them. I mean, they didn't, and to me, like, a Durant versus LeBron, like, finals where Durant's guarding LeBron for maybe, maybe the, the, the entire finals would be just fascinating to watch because, you know, Durant is is quick enough and long enough that he can do stuff where, you know, he, he stays in front of LeBron when a lot of guys won't be able to, and he can also, like, block him from behind if LeBron gets a step. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a, a layer of the defense they just didn't have last year. I mean, LeBron was getting by pretty much anyone he wanted to at will, and the fact that they didn't have that guy waiting at the rim uh, definitely hurt him. All right, so Warriors are one. That That's unanimous. I have the Clippers at number two in the West. You have the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I mean, what what is the rationale there? How close is this two and three spot? I think the Spurs are the better regular season team. I think the Clippers are the better postseason team. I think that uh, Popovich is just at a point where when you're in the regular season, nobody does a better job of managing minutes, uh, you know, strategizing uh, a game plan that involves, you know, different guys on different nights, really attacking what the other team doesn't do well. And, um, kind of maximizing the pieces he has on his roster. I think a lot of that kind of goes away once the playoffs start, especially on uh, you look at that team defensively, other than Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Uh, a lot of guys in that, that front court that are, that are pretty easy to score on. Uh, and then, you know, Tony Parker's a sieve on defense as well. So I think that once they get to the postseason, they could really lose to anyone in a, in a seven-game series. But the, the Clippers, to me, I just, I mean, I think their depth is even worse than the Spurs' depth. I think they, they have more kind of issues in, internally in terms of how well do do guys like Blake Griffin and and Chris Paul and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, how well do those guys get along? Like, I mean, I think there's a pretty big gap in terms of Popovich and Doc Rivers and coaching. Uh, but once you get to the postseason, that that's a team that can that can play both both ends as well as anyone other than the Warriors probably as long as they're healthy. So I, I like both these teams a lot. I think that they're clearly three of three of the four best teams in the league are, are in the West and I think the Spurs probably just finish a couple games better in the regular season. Yeah, I mean I can I can completely get on board of that. I'm I'm expecting a little bit of a regression from San Antonio. I mean they're not winning sixty seven again. I think it's getting to the point and I mean, that's such a dangerous thing to say because we, we get burned on this just about every year. It's like Tony Parker has to drop off at some point. He finally showed some signs of that towards the end of last year. Ginobili, you know, kind of in the same vein, and they're not depending on him, you know, from as much as they had in the past. But, I mean, at some point I think they're going to regress. And, and 67 wins, even with Kawhi playing like he has and, and LaMarcus Aldridge looking, you know, every bit the part of a max deal free agent uh, I think they sink closer to 61 62 uh, and I think the Clippers are probably within a game or two of them either way so I mean you, you could really talk me into to either of those teams at two and three the Clippers I like a lot I like the continuity um, you know you don't lose any of the the big three or three and a half I guess if you want to throw JJ Redick in there but like you said they didn't really get that much better I mean your, your big offseason additions are Maurice Spates Brandon Bass and our boy Diamond Stone forgot about Forgot about Diamond, the Snapchat <laughs> god. Our boy. Uh, Is he my boy only? Quotes. Uh, I would hate to have people think that he's my boy. Um, I think he's a very comical figure. I don't think that makes him my boy. <laughs> um, <A> comical figure. <laughs> uh, you know, I just to double back on something you said, 
I absolutely think you throw Reddick into their their big four. I think Reddick, you can make a case is is more valuable than Don't say it. than DeAndre Jordan. I mean, I, I think okay, I thought you were going to say Blake. What he does on offense is in terms of efficiency is I mean really really hard to find outside of Golden State. So mm-hmm. I, I think that he is a gigantic reason why they didn't really lose a step when when Blake went down last year. Um, if they get that same J.J. Redick back this year, I mean, I, I think it's really hard for going to be really hard for him to match last year's production. Um, if they get that same J.J. Redick again, I mean, they're they they might finish second in this mm-hmm. this conference. Um, I don't, I still don't like their depth at, at all, really, at at any position. I mean, at small forward, they're going to be starting Luke Mbamute for most of the season, uh, it would seem, and. Uh, Pick your poison, really, between him. Austin West, Rivers West Johnson, is terrible. Um, wow. Most Bates, I think, could get exposed as below average. Uh, exposed as most Bates. Yeah, like away <laughs> away from Golden State, like what he does and what he doesn't do, I think is going to be a lot more glaring. And so, it, is I, it weird to you that he didn't? He signed a minimum deal with the Clippers. Like, couldn't he have signed that same deal in Golden State? I like. Why would you not just stay there? You're going to be basically playing the same role. I assume it kind of runs beyond the the money and the, yeah, well, the it role. Must, yeah. Like I mean, I think there he's probably, you know, maybe felt underappreciated there. Um, maybe ran out of talent. He did I, miss the final shot of Game Seven. I, I think that if you ask that coaching staff how devastated they are that most Bates isn't back, I don't think they really care. Um, I mean, it definitely got to a point where they needed to play. You know, when they kind of kept. They couldn't decide who they wanted to play out of out of Azili and Spates, and um, they just really didn't like any of those guys. I mean, they're they're both not back. I think for a reason because they just they felt in the finals that they were kind of hamstrung with with those guys mm-hmm. as, as their options up front because of the Spates limitations on defense and the fact that he's he's kind of a black hole on offense and he's a little he, bit yeah. I mean, he shoots a <laughs> he, his his favorite shots the like eighteen footer right get those uh, toes right on the line. You know, I, I think. I don't think he adds a ton to them. I, I really think it just kind of comes down to the their four best players are probably better than any anyone else's four best players other than the the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you have to look at JJ Redick as a little bit of an anomaly last season. You know, six points above his career average from three, led the league at just under. 48%, but if he falls, he's not going to fall that far. You know, it's not sure. like he's going to drop off 10 points. Even if he did drop off 10 points, he'd be shooting 38% from three on six attempts a game, which you can live with. But you know, the thing about this Clippers team, is the ceiling to me has not yet been met because nobody, you know, like you said, like they've been able to sustain when Chris Paul goes out, they don't drop off. When Blake Griffin goes out, they don't drop off because of guys like Redick and DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan. If all four can be healthy for 75 plus games and play their best, you know, the ceiling for this team goes considerably higher. We just haven't seen that all come together yet. And if they can kind of check their egos, yeah. And I—that's not a Blake thing or a that's that's a everyone thing. I right. mean, I, I think that like nobody's kind of safe in terms of if you want to mm-hmm. analyze that aspect of it. And I'm not really sure that they they'll be able to do that. No. I think that Blake, you know, I think he'll start kind of looking to next year at at a certain point and. It'll be interesting to kind of see how that whole thing unfolds and whether they whether this is the last year that all these guys are playing mm-hmm. together. All right, so Warriors, Clippers, and Spurs uh, are consensus top three. I'm going with the Grizzlies at number four. Uh, and as I see here, the Grizzlies are not a playoff team for you. No. And, you know, look, on paper, I think if, if you were to tell me that every single guy that's on their depth chart right now is – 100% healthy at the end of the season. I think you're probably looking at a playoff team. I just I have some serious concerns about how uh, Marcus Saul is going to be able to hold up after that foot surgery. Um I mean that's that's extremely significant. Uh big men kind of coming back from from those types of uh foot surgeries. It's it's def it's a mixed bag. It that's maybe being kind of glass half full, honestly. I mean, it's wouldn't be that surprising if he's a totally different player going forward. Uh, Chandler Parsons, obviously, always kind of a, a question mark there in terms of how many games you're going to get out of him. Then you start looking, you know, at other parts of the depth chart. You know, Zach Randolph. I mean, he's in a steep fall. I think over uh, from the player he was like two or three years ago. 
look at that shooting guard spot. I mean, Tony Allen really doesn't have a, a place in today's NBA necessarily. Well, that's well, that's what they have Vince Carter. And and then you go Vince Carter, <laughs> uh, Wade Baldwin. I I like, but there's no way he's ready to to step into the kind of role that he might be asked to step into if just one or two things go badly in that backcourt. I just I don't see much margin for error with this team. Throw in the coaching change. I mean, I think Dave Yeager left uh, Memphis um, for reasons that, that had very little to do, if if anything, to do with how good of a coach he was X's and O's wise. I mean, I think he he really helped that ch- that team overachieve in recent years. I like uh, Fizdale, uh, the Fizz. I mean, I think you got <laughs> you got to respect um, respect the what he's doing on and off the court, but. Um, you know, I I just think it's really hard to expect a, a coach coming in in year one to keep a team that was already overachieving to keep them at that kind of high level, yeah. especially when you have those injury concerns. On and off the court, that's a good way to put that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you on on Zach Randolph. He's the he's the one that concerns me the most uh, of anyone in this group. I, I'm willing to give the, or at least think optimistically when it comes to Marcus All. Um, I like Mike Conley, and th- to me, there's just no way that this team can go through what it did last year and I mean they still won 42 games they had 28 players mm-hmm. played at least two games for this team that's an absurd number of injuries and they were still able to persevere the coaching change is a big concern I think you know I don't know the, the full details behind that but I think the players like Dave Yeager I think Dave Yeager liked the players I don't the know the coaching about... job he did like last year like the, some of the lineups they were running out there towards the end of the year <laughs> I mean for for them to make the I'm trying to look at their lineup data right now, and and Basketball Reference is making me confirm that I'm 18 before I look at this. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want you to get any kind of viruses. No, yeah, I got to open up an incognito window. uh, On our work computers here. I mean, it was insane what they were able to do last year. And, you know, I think this is is a team that I think if everyone's healthy, it's going to be in the mix. I just happen to like a few teams a bit Mm -hmm. more. Um, I definitely don't support where you have them at at number four uh, i there's there's just no way i'll say it right now we can bet whatever we want there's there's zero chance they're hosting a first round playoff series this year zero chance zero all right chance. well see the thing about the rest of the teams below them with the exception in my mind of the blazers there's just no there's nothing proven there I and mean, yeah. we'll get we'll get to the rest. i mean the we'll grizzlies have done this year in and year out I mean, if that's the argument you want to make, that's fine. I just I look at all those teams as having higher ceilings yeah. than the the Grizzlies. And oh I think sure, that, I mean I think I think the, one of the at least one of those teams uh, comes close to reaching their ce- ceiling and, and yeah, there. that I could see. I mean, the, yeah, the Grizzlies ceiling is what it is. I mean, it's probably what fifty wins, fifty low fifties. I mean, look at the so they were they were the seventh seed last year, right? Um, Forty two wins, but they were. Um, you know the Rockets finished behind them. The Jazz finished behind them. Both had had better plus minus records. I think um, you can mm-hmm. make a case both of those were were better teams. I think that you look at what the Grizzlies did with um, with some of their injuries. I think you look at what the Jazz have now versus what the Jazz had for the bulk of last year. I think they actually add more um, than the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, I mean, the Grizzlies were year. also ten games over five hundred at the All Star break before Gasol went down. And basically tanked it the rest of the way. All right, I I just I mean I stand by what I said in terms of the the injuries. Uh, with I, I just don't, I'm I'm concerned about how effective Gasol is going to be coming back. From That's that. fair. Uh, and then I look at like say say Marcus Gasol now kind of settles in as like you know he's no longer say he's no longer like a top twenty top twenty five player. Now he's just kind of a. Tyson Chandler type of big man, maybe not this Tyson Chandler, but let's say like two, three years ago, Tyson Chandler. Right. Then all of a sudden you're looking at a team where Mike Conley is by far your best player. Uh, I mean, Chandler Parsons, you really need to kind of get the best right. Chandler Parsons. You, you no if longer Chandler have... Parsons isn't two years ago Chandler Parsons, this team yeah. is not finishing fourth. I mean, I think you, there's a very realistic scenario where every team in the West, other than maybe like the Nuggets and the Lakers, has a better player than the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the Pelicans have a better player than anyone on the Grizzlies, right? I mean, mean anything. I'm just saying, like that. If you just look at the talent, like I I just don't look at them as yeah. a team that has the talent to but be. But you a can top say that team. every year, these last few years, you know. But not with not when you had peak Marcus Saul. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sort of saying, like I I don't think you're gonna see Mar- peak Marcus Saul again. All right, fair enough. So the team that you have at number four, I have at number five. That is the Utah Jazz. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I. 
I look at the way this team's constructed. This is like my dream like team construction. <laughs> like I just I absolutely love it. Like it's just so It is nice and it's deep. It's just so beautiful like looking at at all the depth they have at all these spots and they're all just very very complimentary pieces. Um you know, Derek Favors before his injury last year, I thought w- was having an all-star caliber season. Uh Gordon Hayward's kind of established himself as kind of a, a borderline all-star caliber player. They the the guys they were running out at point guard last year, I mean, it was it was just pure trash. Um, you know, no offense to those guys, but uh, to get a guy like George, I know they're listening. To get a guy like George Hill, uh, who I think is is maybe one of the most underrated players in the league, based on what he gives you on defense and in terms of three point shooting, he's just such a very very competent point guard and such a complimentary. Like he just fits all of those kind of. Um, sort of secondary stuff you want out of a player who's not part of the, the focal point of your offense where he can just kind of sit in the corner and, and bury threes and, and play really solid defense and he's never going to try to like do too much uh, I just think it's a really great fit I think Rodney Hood is is one of the really ascending players in the league I think he's uh, got an extremely bright future I think Trey Lyles has an extremely bright future uh, I think you're going to see at least one maybe both of those guys take a take a huge step forward this year uh, Rudy Gobert, one of the best defensive players in the league. You add Boris Dia and Joe Johnson as as second team guys that are that are also just not me first guys at all at this point in their career. I really liked what I saw from Joe Johnson oh, in yeah. Miami last year. Um, just kind of the way he was going about his business. And then you throw in a guy like Dante Exum, total X factor. Like if he if he were to kind of make the strides that I think he's capable of, like I think he's got as high a ceiling as any player on this team. I mean, you don't even really need him to tick those right. steps to be a playoff team, but if he were, then that just really mm-hmm. raises their ceiling. And I haven't even mentioned, like, Alex Alec, Bur- Alec Burks. I mean, he's their 10th man, basically, in my opinion. Right. So uh, just so much talent, and I, I think it really meshes well. I, I like their coach. Uh, just there's no, <laughs> there's nothing I really don't like about mm-hmm. this team. I mean, the only argument I have against Utah, and I have met number five, so not much difference there, is that they just they haven't quite put it together yet, and, and injuries like you hit on have been such a big reason for that. Uh, but I think the upgrade at point guard is kind of what they've been looking for. Like that's what's been the missing piece is right. you're good everywhere else, and you just have such a, a lack of talent at that position. And, and, and as you hit on with Exum, they don't the, Exum could not even be on this roster, and right. I don't think I'd feel any differently about it. And he, he's just a complete, if he gives you anything above mm-hmm. average play, that raises your ceiling by another maybe three, four wins. And I, I think I'm always I, I'm probably guilty of this sometimes of of kind of jumping the gun on you know anointing the you know the next great up and coming team before they've actually kind of earned it. And I know there are a lot of people that are more in the camp of you know prove it to me first, and then I'll then I'll start treating you like a, a playoff team or a team that could could win your division, but. Uh, you know, like I said, the, the advanced metrics had them as one of the eight best teams in the West last year. They didn't make the playoffs, but I, I don't think they were one of the, they, I think they were one of the eight best teams. Uh, and then you just kind of look at all the, the pieces that they didn't have at times last year, the pieces they added. I mean, this is, this is a team that I think is, is really going to be on the verge of, of title contention in a couple of years. And this is going to be kind of their big coming out party. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that basketball reference expected win loss uh, was supposed to be forty six and thirty six. They go forty and forty two, so lost a lot of close games, had a lot of bad breaks, uh, you know, both in terms of injuries and just on court stuff. So, no, hard to make an argument against the Jazz. I, I think four to me is probably as high as they get. Um, I, I, they're for sure a playoff team, right? I mean, this is the year, like, unless they they're just hit by catastrophic injuries, which you know, again, we've kind of seen that happen to this team. Um, but even so, I think they're so deep and so talented now that unless we see, you know, four of their top five guys go down, I'd, I'd be pretty close to willing to lock them in as a, as a top eight team in the West. That doesn't seem like much of a stretch. No, I mean, I think for, for you and I, it, it doesn't. I know that there are probably people out there who definitely see a top three in the Warriors, Spurs, and Clippers and then see like seven other teams where they just don't see a ton of difference or maybe even eight other teams mm-hmm. where they don't see a ton of difference. So I could see, I mean, I, I know there are people that don't think the jazz are a lock for the playoffs, but to me, they actually are in a tier above um, a good chunk. Of I mean, are they teams. in the kind of their own tier then they're not as good as the top three. For me, they are. Yeah. I think, I think I could 
I don't know. I, I mean, I have them below the Grizzlies, I, I guess. So maybe the Grizz and the, and the Jazz, to me, um, present the least risk, I guess, of the other teams in the West. So, like I said, I have the Jazz at five. You have the Jazz at four. I, this one I don't agree with. You're going the T-Wolves at five. <laughs> you, uh, you really don't agree with this one. I love the T-Wolves, but um, five? Okay, so five? I, I definitely have the, the top four in a tier, or the, the top three in a tier. I have a tier with the Warriors, a tier with the Spurs and the Clippers, another tier with just the Jazz. And then to me, it there's a bunch of teams that I could have thrown here and and defended. And I I think the the upgrade in coaching that they're going to get this year might be the biggest upgrade in coaching that we've seen in the the modern era. I mean, the history of sports. <laughs> yeah, like I I honestly think it it could be a twenty enough for just a twenty game swing. Like that that's okay, the well, difference. That. I think I think that's the ceiling. Certainly, twenty game swing is a ton in the NBA. But, but I think well, okay. I, I think maybe that maybe not Tibbs makes them that much better individually. But so this is a team that won how many games last year? Twenty nine games. If Tibbs is coaching this team last year, maybe they win thirty five and they jump up to forty five this year, and it doesn't look like that drastic of a jump. I think they underachieve so much under Sam Mitchell right. that it'll make this jump look a little bit artificial. Right. So yeah, exactly. So you you have the the coaching the gap at, between those two in terms of uh, the coaching they're going to bring mm-hmm. and then just the natural development of all these players. Like you have three players in, in Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins and Zach Levine who are going to, I think they're going to make huge leap leaps forward individually this year and, and just kind of bring, you know, just a, something that just wasn't there last year on a night-to-night basis. I think you're going to see Carl Anthony Towns establish himself by year's end as a, as a clear top 15 player in the league, uh, especially if you just factor what he does on both ends. There might not be five better uh, two-way players in the league than, than him this year. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, what he was doing in the second half in terms of uh, efficiency from, from beyond the, the three-point line, I think is, is very encouraging. Especially, And my biggest complaint with Wiggins has always been that he hasn't maximized his potential on defense. Like I think he has the the physical tools to be one of the better on ball defenders in the league, and that hasn't been the case. But I think with Tibbs, that that he he takes a, a step forward there. Zach Levine, I have no idea like what what his next step's going to be, but I think it, it's it's a pretty wide range of of what he could become. And then I think you you add a guy like Chris Dunn to the mix behind Ricky Rubio. It really kind of helps them uh, define roles a bit better in the second unit, and I know they don't have a ton of depth that we really like up front, but I just think the the system change and the expected growth of of those three players I mentioned is enough to to give them the five seed. Who starts more games next year, Kevin Garnett or Chris Dunn? <laughs> oh man, um, talk about depth. Man, that's a KG. that's a curveball. Um, I I'm gonna say KG. I think so too. I every game that KG plays, he's gonna start, right? I think Ricky Rubio is just one of those players that, even though he may not be, even though like the coach may know, like Chris Dunn's just a better player uh, or gives us you know, mm-hmm. gives us a better starting five on paper than Ricky Rubio. I think Ricky Rubio is a guy that you start and maybe you finish some games with Chris Dunn. Like, well, it's like last year in Cleveland. I mean, Tristan Thompson started, what, 10 regular season games? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's – Rubio's the type of player that I think you, you're worried as a coach that you might just kind of lose him if he comes off the bench. And I think if he comes off the bench, that puts mm-hmm. more pressure on him to shoot the ball, whereas if he's yep. playing with the, those starters – uh, that really kind of makes it so that he right. really only has to worry about distributing. Is Rubio still on this team after the trade deadline? Yeah, because I think that they... I think he's gone. I think I think they're right there. They're in contention for the eight seed. They flip Rubio, grab a shooter. What do you... I mean... You can't, you can't keep him and Dunn long-term. No. You can't keep Dunn as your backup point guard. Rubio's got, what, three years left on his deal? I mean, I guess that means he's tradable for the next couple of years, but... I don't think... I think Dunn's going to be hard to keep off the floor. I don't think they move him at the deadline. I feel like that that seems like an off season thing to me. It's I, a pass. I guess I'd wonder. I'd wonder what the. 
I just wonder what the market is for Rubio. I mean, they, they might come to a point where they just have to take a lot yes. less than what they want. And if they're willing to do that at the deadline, then that's... Well, Rubio's fine. a tough guy to trade straight up. But I think they found that out after the draft yeah. when everybody was demanding Levine or uh, who knows, even Shabazz, I think they're somewhat <laughs> hesitant to part with. You're not, you're not just going to get a really good value only now, sending Ricky Rubio back. Could you send him... Who could you send him to the Kings for? Yeah, that's that's what your first call always has to be. Like get every GM in the league should you, have Vlade would, would on you speed do, dial. Would you do uh, Rubio for a Flala? I would. If you're the T Wolves, well, that's that's what makes this interesting at the deadline is you don't you don't have the leverage of Rubio being expiring and just sending him you know mm-hmm. as a rental somewhere. But to me, Rubio is not the type of player that you bring in as a rental. You know, I think he's kind of a system guy that would have a tough time just slotting in on a new team for yeah. 28 games or whatever it is. But if you're the T Wolves, you have you don't really have anything to lose with Rubio. You know, you have a capable rookie backup behind him, and other teams know that, I guess. So maybe you lose a little leverage there. But if that team's at the deadline and has a chance to solidify itself as a playoff team, you have this kind of dead asset right there in Rubio. Yeah, I just think there's so few teams in, around the league right. that, that I mean, view him as like an appealing option. It's like trying to trade Greg Monroe. I I almost think you... I almost think you're in a better situation talent-wise holding on to him. I know it's not a great fit. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe you maybe you dial back Rubio's minutes to the point where he's only playing right. 20 minutes a game, something like well, that. What, what I mean is his value is not going to get any higher. It can sustain, but it's not going to get any higher. Could okay, could yeah, sure it could. Are you, you're saying it's not going to get any higher? Okay, I mean, I don't think it's going to get. Any I don't think it really matters. So, no. so I have them at five. You you strongly disagree. You have the Jazz at five. I have the Jazz then at five. Six. Uh, you have Houston, another team I don't have making the playoffs, and I yeah. have another uh, one you're wrong about. I have the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's um, not what it says here. It says I, Russ. I, I have Russ. You just have Russ. <laughs> yeah, I do have Russ and an emoji. The, the um, hand, hands above the head emoji. Yeah. Um, That's accurate, though. I, I think, you know, I, that team isn't as talented as I seem to remember it being on paper. Um, <laughs> I thought they used to have a Durant or and, something. And honestly, like, just Durant not being there makes, like, all the other guys look, like, slightly worse on paper. I mean, sir. You know what's kind of gross is not not only do you not have Durant, but they're now projected by us to start Andre Roberson and Ersan Ilyasova, like as two of their five starters. Mm. So that's a thing. Mm. See, so yeah, that's the thing about OKC <laughs> is like my biggest question with them, and I've I've voiced this to you before is can Russ be peak Russ for eighty games? Can he even be that for seventy games? Not even if he gets hurt, but does he have does he have the energy to play? at 145 miles per hour every single game because that's what it's going to take for this team to, you know, to get that high. I think, I think they can, if Westbrook doesn't get hurt and plays reasonably well, they're a playoff team to me. I have them at number eight. Um, but to get to six, I mean, they're going to need peak Russ over the course of an entire season. You're going to See, need... Go I, ahead. I, a, I'm not going to bet against Russ. B, I don't think they need... If they get like 65 games of peak Russ, I think that's enough for them to get a top six seed. I mean... Peak Russ is a top five player in the league. Yeah. But, I mean, the Rockets got peak Harden for most of last season and barely snuck in. See, I just don't. Numbers-wise. I cannot compare those two in terms of what they bring. Like, what they bring to, you know, a locker room, what they bring intensity-wise on the court, like, the the winning, (laughs) the winningness. I mean, Mm. I might have just made Uh, up a word there. But, like, James Harden does so many things on – defense and in terms of just like the way he'll like look at teammates and, and stuff like that that it just it goes completely against um winning basketball games and like russell Russ westbrook does the same thing he does some stuff like where he'll take like bad shots but he always he always does it thinking that he's helping his team win basketball games like james harden, does, harden does it maliciously harden, harden does things like on defense where he clearly doesn't give a crap at all about like what's what's going on with the game. Yeah. Like I and I think that um you know like no player is ever going to play with Russ and grow to dislike him because of the way he plays. A because they'll be just too terrified of him to be on his bad side, but B like he's working harder than anyone. Mm-hmm. He's he's trying harder than anyone on both ends of the court. Um 
I just think he's the type of player that these guys, they're all like clear, like supporting actors in this play. And I think they're all just going to kind of gravitate to the, to the idea of just following Russ kind of blindly um, Mm -hmm. throughout this season and just kind of doing whatever it takes to sort of help him. Uh, achieve the the mission he's going to be on because he's going to be playing pissed off like all season long and it's gonna it's gonna get ugly at times for for some of the teams he plays against because he's gonna really embarrass some people he's gonna put a lot of people on. he's gonna embarrass himself at some point i'm sure too i mean yeah there's gonna be a game where he gets like (laughs) 42 points and like shoots 25 percent from the field on his way to get unapologetically um i just i mean er, steven adams i mean is he a top 40 player in the league yeah yeah, so I, I think mean, he's probably in that thirty to forty. You think Victor Oladipo is a top fifty player? He can be. I, I would say no right now, right. but he's close. Well, um, I mean, I, I think you have three guys right there, where it's it's not like they they totally don't have talent anymore. I mean, I think Ennis Cantor and and Russ played really well at times. I last think season. they're just going to be forced season. to live with Cantor being a bad defender. Like at some point, they had the luxury, I guess, of having Adams and Ibaka and Durant that you could kind of keep Cantor off the floor. Like they just don't have the option anymore. Like you're going to have to play Ennis Cantor more than well, twenty minutes a game. Here's the nice thing: is is you're going to have if you have Adams, Roberson, and Oladipo on the court, that's three above average defenders, right? And so you can have and. Look, Russ has the potential to be an above-average defender. He's not on a regular basis because he just kind of takes too many chances and, um, you know, just sort of plays that way. But I think you can't afford to have one zero out there or one negative It's tough when there. that guy is, is in the paint, you know. I think it's easier to hide a point guard or hide mm-hmm. a, a wing than it is to hide a big man, but it's possible. I mean, we've seen teams do it. Especially if you have, if you have Roberson, Depot, and Westbrook just swarming the ball on the perimeter – it, that kind of helps mm-hmm. as kind of a first line of defense to kind of right. help try to hide that. But, you know, I look at some of these other teams. We're, we're picking apart the Thunder's flaws. Uh, you have the Rockets. I mean, who who are they going to stop on defense? They're not going to stop anybody, but they're going to outscore everybody. That's how it's going to work. Um, no, I mean, I, this is admittedly one that I struggled with, and I'm firmly with you that, you know, after those top four, uh, probably top five if you want to throw, for me, the Grizzlies and the Jazz in there, after that, the you know the Rockets, the Blazers, the Thunder, the Wolves, the Mavs, even the Nuggets. I think any of those six teams could make it in just about any order, and it, and it wouldn't shock me. Um, but I like what the Rockets have done. I mean, this is a team that two years ago it was the second best team in the Western Conference. Um, obviously, the the composition has changed, but I like bringing in Ryan Anderson. I think he's an ideal fit for this team. I think Eric Gordon's an ideal fit. Neither of those guys are good defenders. Both of those guys are good spot up shooters. Um, I think this is going to be the best supporting cast that Harden has had in terms of guys who fit what he wants to do and guys that he will probably like. So I I think they got worse defensively getting rid of Dwight Howard. I think they got better in the locker room. I think they get better offensively. The question for me is the depth up front. You know, I like Clint Capella. I know you're a fan of his as well, but behind Capella, things get pretty ugly pretty quick. I don't think – Nene is not built for the Mike D'Antoni offense. He's not really built for any offense. Who's there – so if we say Capella and Ryan Anderson – um, are their two best players at the at center and power forward? Right. Who do you think is their third best player at center and power forward? We'll, we'll have to bleep this out, but Michael Beasley. <laughs> yeah, Michael, that's Beasley. what I was going for. Yeah, that's um, that's what very very much concerns me right. is there is almost no depth at those two spots, and they're going to play a ton of small ball. Uh, I mean, Harden's probably going to lead the league in minutes. Beverly's going to play a ton. So, Everybody's going to have to play a ton. That's that's what's concerning, I guess. So here, I I definitely think they are going to probably, if not lead at least finish top three or top five in terms of you know any offensive category you want to want to look at I just look at Mike D'Antoni and I look at the other coaches that are kind of in this tier of team and I just see a gigantic drop off I I love Mike D'Antoni from from back in his days in Phoenix but I just think you look at the type of coach he is now I think he's just sort of so disconnected from how all of these other coaches are thinking about the game uh, because they're thinking about it on both ends of the court. You know, like a guy like Rick Carlisle, he cares about what's happening on defense and offense. Same with Terry Stotts, same with Billy Donovan. Does Dan Tony just kind of close his eyes when they don't have the ball? Like, I, I just don't think he cares at all about what they're doing on defense. And I think that that I – know, I know the offense is awesome, but if you're going to play defense the way that I think they're going to play defense, then every team they play is going to have – 
awesome right. nights. And so, I mean, you're, you're going to have to outscore everybody. Right. And I think, you know, Harden's good enough to, to do that a, a decent amount. I just, I, I just think know. everything went wrong for this team. They went through a coaching change last season and they still snuck into the playoffs. Like everything seemed to go wrong other than Harden's individual play, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, you could definitely talk me out of six. Like I said, if you wanted to tell me that the Rockets don't make the playoffs, and I feel like I kind you of, might. I basically sort of used coach as a tiebreaker for, sure. for a lot of these. No, that's um, fair. And I maybe shouldn't have, but I definitely – it wouldn't surprise me if the mm-hmm. Rockets were the five seed in the West. All um, right, so we're back to agreement on number seven, the Portland Trailblazers. Yep. To me, pretty high floor, fairly low ceiling. I think their ceiling's probably about where it was last year. Depends how much you like Evan Turner. I don't. They bring virtually everybody else back. Um, you know, it's going to be Lillard and McCollum like it was for a lot of last year. But I like Evan Turner on the ball for a few minutes a game. I think he's an interesting fit there. I don't like him as your sure. small forward, and I feel like that's kind of where he's going to be with this team. They're not going to take. They're not going to want to take at least a lot of minutes away from Lillard on the ball. He's not playing off the ball. And and even McCollum, who, who no. succeeded as the kind of the backup point guard for some of last year, um, so you know I think Turner's maybe an addition who looks better on paper than he will on court with this team. I guess maybe I, I maybe I'm just kind of colored by how bad I think that contract was. But yeah, uh, look, th- this is a deep team, um, especially in the front court. I think they they go uh, really solidly deep at at all those spots. I'm not sure why we have. Uh, Myers Leonard ahead oh, of I thought Ed you were Davis. Jake Lehman. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure why. I mean, I think Ed Davis is is one of their five best players. I mean, what he does on the the glass, especially the offensive glass, um, he's a really underrated player. I think um, Festus Azili, I think, is a nice add if that if that's your backup center at that price that they got yeah. him. Of course, you got to do it. Um, and he kind of gives them a different element that than what Mason Plumley gives them. Mason Plumley, another extremely underrated player. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you nailed it with, with them having a really high floor. I, I just don't like the Evan Turner. The fact that he does need the ball, and you have two guys who also kind of need the ball and are much better with with the ball than he is, I th- right. that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But um, He's a little bit of a mercurial dude, too. That, which I think that's... I wonder what pay, what does paid Evan Turner look like? I don't know. It's going to be kind of <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, like that might be kind of like a 90s... Right, that's like, not something you necessarily back. want. That's something you want to see, but you want to see it on like another team if you're yeah. the Blazers. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, you pay all this money to bring back Alan Crabb, and like where does he fit now? See, that's that's another thing is like I think I like Alan Crabb a lot more as a player than right. Evan Turner. Me too. Is he their sixth man? I guess I, I don't know. I mean, you can put. I mean, then they will do this. But Lillard, McCollum, and Crabb on the floor with Aminu, who shot the lights out in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and even you know when you have Myers Leonard in that spot, he was hurt for most of the end of Stats last season. Stats is a like, really good coach. Yeah. I mean, I think there'll be a fun team. Yeah. So, you know who. Who knows? I, I think that I think they make the playoffs. I just sure. I, don't, I don't think they're. they're if you're the Clippers, the I don't know that you necessarily want to see this Blazers team in round. I'd love. One. I'd love that. That would matchup. be an incredible series. This team could beat the Spurs in round one too. I this think. team could beat any non-Warriors team yes. in, in round one. No, All no. right, so I have the Thunder at eight. We already talked about them. You have Dallas at eight. For me, this they're the toughest team to leave out. I don't like the roster. If Rick Carlisle was not coaching this Dallas team, right. it would be a no-brainer. Yeah, they're out. But this is also. We've done this with Rick Carlisle teams before where we're like, I don't really like that roster. I I don't like anything about this roster, but I like Rick Carlisle. See, I kind of like the starting five, um, and primarily offensively I like the starting five. Their their depth is is a complete joke. Um, They have probably the least – I mean – They have names, but they – like. How does How their depth compare you... to like the Clippers' depth? You take... It's about the same, really. Yeah. It's Seth Curry. It, the combination of Seth Curry, Devin Harris, and JJ Barea mm-hmm. probably equals Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford to me. You know, like you're depending a lot on Justin Anderson, who was good for like 20 games last year. Dwight Powell, I like a lot, but he can't be your second option up front. I mean, how many minutes is Dirk going to play? 26? I just think the way that they're going to execute in close games offensively uh, down the down the stretch is going to be really really fun to watch if they're all if they're all healthy because I think in in Williams, Matthews, Barnes, and the Whiskey, you have you have four guys that are just very very skilled on the offensive end at certain things and I think Carlo is going to be really good at kind of maximizing that. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they missed the playoffs, but this is just kind of a de facto. Like I'm looking at the Rockets, I'm looking at the Mavs. One of them has Rick Carlisle, mm-hmm. the other one doesn't. One of them has Harrison Barnes as their <laughs> second offensive option, though. See, too. we that's you, a problem. You brought this up, and he I, is. I don't think of it that way. I think of it as they have three guys in Williams, Barnes, and Matthews, 
who will be the second option depending on what the matchup is. Like I think there I are guess, certain man. there are certain matchups where I think Barnes. That's is a, just that's dead. not going to work though. That's they're not going to be a playoff team if those three guys are your second option. I just don't see it. Who was their second option last year? Raymond Felton, Monte? Or no, that, <laughs> no, that no. Was a couple years ago. I think it was these guys. I don't know, <laughs> man. Or it's, pa- Parsons. Yeah, I mean, even that was, like, was a little bit sketchy. It doesn't really matter. They just move the ball. They do. Like, yeah, I mean, is Harrison Barnes going to play the same Harrison Barnes role then that he did in Golden State? I mean, I think I think you're bringing him in with the belief that in maybe not this season, but two or three years down the road, he's the guy that See, is your number one scorer. Maybe they're thinking that. I hope they're not thinking that. I think it's just a sign of what you have to pay to get a player his age yeah. that is a, a plus offensive player at a, at I a tricky liked, position. And I would, a guy that can guard multiple four, four true. spots. Defensively, Barnes doesn't get enough credit. Great posting up. That's something we didn't see a ton in Golden State. Like, I, I would like to see where he would be right now if he wasn't playing for the Warriors. Just about any other team. I mean, a guy who is... Number one player coming out of high school, mm-hmm. you know, big time talent, even at the college level, never quite lived up to expectations. But, you know, at the same time, I, I think this was a guy that at least coming into the NBA was looked at as, you know, a possible number one, number two option for a, a good playoff team. And he kind of immediately was cast as a role player. We've never really seen him do anything else. Like it's possible he could have uh, turned himself into, you know, a, a guy who could like challenge for like all-star teams in the Eastern Conference. It's yeah. possible he could have just become like a Shabazz Muhammad type. So, mm. um, I mean, it's really hard to say. I just think that, given what where the the cap is at, someone was going to max him out. Yeah. The Mavs didn't have anyone else to really give that money to, and I think that he's an above-average player on both sides of the ball. So that's kind of where where I'm at on it. Okay, yeah. I mean, like I said, with with Rick Carlisle uh, at the helm in Dallas, never a team you want to bet against. I have the T-Wolves at number nine. I think they improve a ton. I think they don't quite get hater. there. What a hater. What about <laughs> what about Andrew Wiggins' first two years make you think he's just going to become this 25-point-per-game, super-efficient scorer? He's a terrible passer. He is a below-average rebounder. He skips weight room sessions. Um, I don't know. I love the T-Wolves. I hope the T-Wolves make the playoffs. I think they'll be top three teams to watch this season, uh, but I think they're a year away. I mean, I've, I've said my piece on the, the Wolves. I think yeah. – Do I you think, want to table that? Go ahead. I think Tibbs uh, really helps him uh, defensively l- at least look a lot better by being in the right, in the right spot. Well, he's not going to be able to mess up. That's the thing with Tibbs right. is there's going to be accountability. Like whether, whether it's an effort thing with Wiggins, whether it's a he needs to put on more weight, Issue. I mean the the, the three point shooting thing I think is is huge and I think that he he showed signs of that yeah. towards the end of he last year. He was close year. to forty percent I want to say after the All Star break. Yeah, and I mean that if he shoots like that, his ability to post up and his ability to go one on one and get by a ton of guys that that get end up matched up on him is makes him just kind of mm-hmm. deadly on offense, especially when you have. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is going to de- uh, demand double teams uh, for a good chunk of this season. I think it's just going to really free up a lot of those guys on the outside mm-hmm. to, to do a lot more. Okay. All right. So fair enough on the T-Wolves. You have the Rockets at number nine. We already talked about them. I have Dallas uh, as my 10th team, and that was that was tough. Um, I kind of threw you a bone by, by putting the T-Wolves ahead of them. But to me, uh, to me especially, OKC – I mean, that, like I said before, that whole six-team tier is all interchangeable to me, but especially those last three, Thunder, Wolves, and Mavs, uh, in just about any order, they're probably separated by a, a total of three games when it's all said and done. Number 11, we both have the Denver Nuggets. I think that's the they might be in their own little tier, uh, slightly worse than those other five, but definitely better than the bottom would you, four. Would you be shocked if they made the playoffs? No, yeah. not at all. I, I, it was shocking to check the standings at the end of the year and realize – Oh, Denver finished tenth. You know, it seemed like they were having this colossal bad year. Moutier's... I mean, if they get a, if they, if like somehow Moutier gave them like a really good year, yeah. I think they would definitely be in. Right. The Gallinari missed what forty games. Wilson Chandler didn't play at all. Those young um, young big guys Nurkic might be a tad hurt. better. Um, yeah, you're adding Jamal Murray, you're, you know, Gary Harris might be a bit better. Right. Um, I mean, they they're really deep. Uh, I think I think Mike Malone's a, a solid coach. So yeah. I don't think they have quite enough to make it. I think they're going to be a, a tough team. I mean, they're, they're not a team that you're going to look at as an easy win, even if you're no. the Spurs or, or even the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, if a f- few things go their way, they could be the eighth seed. Sure. But, I mean, the, no, nothing wrong with 
yeah. kind of finishing I, in this group of pl- uh, teams. Then there's that drop off to the Suns. Then though. yeah, and the Suns the Suns are going to be fun to watch too. I mean the they're going to be really count, fun. They're going to gonna be yeah, that's going to be must watch when you know the three times that they're on national TV this year. Uh, so we're in agreement with them at twelve. We're in agreement with the Kings at thirteen. I don't even want to talk about the Kings. I mean this this might actually be the worst supporting cast that Cousins has had yet, <laughs> and probably the best coach he's had yet. So that's your point guard. One of your point guards is in the midst of a what domestic abuse allegation. Your backup point guard is Ty Lawson, who we know the, about. The thing is, the 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 sad thing about that is, I wasn't sure which one you were talking about because it wouldn't have surprised <laughs> me either way. Like, uh, you, I mean, I could have gone to Matt Barnes with that too. <laughs> like, you know, you hope you hope yeah. that you hope that all these allegations are un, uh, unfounded, and you hope that everyone gets yeah. their this, substance abuse issues under control and the start of the season. That's the big victory for the King. Is like if you can make it through with. Yeah, less than two arrests. You get one of your guys off and one of your guys sober, then you right. have a chance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Dave Yeager's going to be good for this team. I don't think it's going to be enough of a boost to really move the needle. I mean, is this the year that DeMarcus Cousins like finally snaps, whether it's after a game, during a game? No, 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 no. I, I think I think, it I think if anything, I, I think his worst in terms of on-court um, behavior is behind him. No, sure. I think, uh, I, I honestly think it, it, really depends on who his coach is in terms of how he behaves. And I just think he's had such kind of pathetic jokes in that, that position other than that, that brief run with, with Mike Malone. Um, I, I don't think this team is going to finish where they finish. And I don't think it's going to have anything to do with DeMarcus Cousins. I think it's just all about the, the players playing around him. Yeah. I guess I should have phrased that differently. Maybe like, I don't think there's going to be a, a violent incident or anything like that, but Cousins has kind of refrained, and to his credit, I think most guys wouldn't have done this, has refrained from trying to force his way out of the situation. But I think this might finally be the year when, you know, they start another season 3-12 and 12 or something like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, he, he kind of, things come to a boiling point there. We're at a consensus on the bottom, too. We have them in, dif- in different order. I have the Pelicans at 14, the Lakers at 15, you have the Lakers at 14, the Pels at 15. Can we pour one out for Anthony Davis? This is such it's such really a sad, sad assemblage really of players, sad. and they just can't buy a break like health wise either. I know you, the, the really sad thing with Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's not even hurt, and he's not going to play. And like Tyreek Evans, obviously, I mean that's just a mess. And Buddy Heald looked like crap in the summer league. Yeah. I mean they they just you know, Omer Sheik's penciled in again to to <laughs> again? be to be a starting center for them. So. Uh, really, really sad. You know, they go out and give Solomon Hill a bunch of money, go Cats, but, I mean, he hasn't really proven anything at any point, so... Uh, I mean, the opening night lineup, if Drew Holiday and, you know, a serious situation going on there, I mean, we kid about this roster, but, you know, what's going on with, with his wife is nothing to joke about, but if he's not there, Tim Frazier starts alongside well, Buddy they, Hill. They did bring in Langston Galloway. They did bring in <laughs> Langston Galloway. They do have Etwan Moore. They do have Lance Stevenson. Yeah, who somehow might have signed the worst contract in the history, <laughs> only, the worst minimum deal in NBA guaranteed. history. I don't know how that works. Um, they, they must have paid him up front. Like, did he demand it in a briefcase? I, someone must have just like not looked it over. Like that. That's a is Lance move. representing himself? Like, can you just hand? Like, could you try handing a guy a deal and just, like, hoping that he just, like, is so happy to get the deal that he signs without, like, looking through it? I think that's what happened. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, he didn't have a lot else to to, to offer. So, and I I love uh, Czech Diallo, who they they added, but, I mean, he's probably a year away from from being a guy that they can give minutes to. Uh, Anthony Davis, look, feel really bad, man. Um, I don't know what to tell you, Anthony. You're not going to make the playoffs again, and uh, just – just really sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, we we've compared his situation to LeBron in Cleveland for a while, and like, this now is, it's like not even. It might be worse. Close to comparable. I don't even think. Is it's there close. is there no Larry Hughes on this team? Is there no Carlos close. Boozer? I think you look at all those veterans that were on those LeBron teams, and yeah, they like were past their prime type guys, like. But they were at least competent, like players. Like, it was a they bunch were, of Jared Dudleys, which is they, fine. right. They were guys that like you could give twenty, twenty-five minutes to, and like they weren't going to go out there and yeah. totally crap the bed. Game managers, right? Exactly. Like you just had some just steady guys that wouldn't wouldn't like ruin yeah. LeBron's fun. Shout out to David Wesley. Whereas these guys are just going to like constantly be getting in Davis's way. You know how like when we're playing like roto hoops and you'll be like on offense and all of a sudden like someone on your team is just like right in your way like they're just like running 
feel like that's happened. They yeah. have no idea what they're doing, and all of a sudden yep. they're just like ruining everything for you. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's how Davis. I hope Davis just goes into Westbrook mode. I don't think he has the Westbrook gene to no. do that. But I mean, what did he have a fifty-nine twenty game last year? Like let's just do that every night. Like he could, if he went into what would Westbrook mode Davis look like on a per game basis? I, but are you just clearing everybody out? I don't. I, think, I mean, like what would the what would the numbers look like? I like, mean, if we're talking like semi-realistically, if he really wanted to do it, well, you could do it thirty-one. 13, three blocks, three assists. See, I think you're talking like, I think you're talking like 32, like 16 or 17. And yeah, then, I guess if you really And wanted. then like, yeah, like the, the blocks are in the over three. I mean, just, I mean, just tons of like, tons of like 40 and 20 nights, right. you know? Like just well, the nice stuff. thing is for the Pelicans is the 2017 draft is going to be stacked. Right. So. They have a pick, you got, right? They better. Okay, I hope. I hope they. Have I think a pick. they do. I mean, they I, have to have. A pick. I don't. I think they do. There's no reason for me to think they don't, other than it's the Pelicans, and it wouldn't surprise me if they'd yeah. given it away at some point in hopes of getting. Yeah, somehow he's involved in. Yeah, in the um, Ashik deal. Yeah, so I mean, they they could. I was hoping that they would win or come close to doing well in the the lottery this year because I, I thought that would have been sweet. And I like the healed pick, honestly. I just what I saw in summer league was so bad. Yeah, and I, I mean that's not that he could end it's up a being small. I think he'll still be a very good player, but. Not an encouraging debut. All right, the Lakers. I think they're going to be worse than the Pelicans. I think it's going to be close regardless. To me, it was the Luke Walton factor, honestly. I think you're a little biased <laughs> there, but I'll, fair. This is the opposite situation. They're going to be terrible, but I don't. Want, we're not going to talk about him with the same like, cloud I'll, of negativity. I will love watching yes. the Suns and the Lakers play. Like they Those just are play two all bad time. teams that I will just happily tune in yeah. and watch play. Um, I think you – to me, D'Angelo Russell, like – Here's here's our one and only fantasy take of the podcast. Uh, I think D'Angelo Russell is a great guy to target this year. I think he's going to have a, a really solid sophomore season. I think people might well, if, insider advice. If you didn't if you didn't like watch him play like a ton, then you probably just think he sucked all year long. But there were definitely stretches where like he was really flashing. Uh, kind of why the Lakers took him where they did. Um, Brandon Ingram, obviously, uh, we're big fans of his around here. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know what they're going to do with their starting lineup. We've we talked about that a little off air. Uh, I think at some point you have to look at the idea of maybe bringing Julius Randle off the bench and and moving Deng to the the, the four and letting Ingram start at the three. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I I just think that they're going to be a lot more fun and a lot less sad than the. Yeah. Uh, is, well, there's going to be a lot of sad on, legitimately on that team. Oh, he's Yi Jianli on the team. Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> definitely on the team. That's a guaranteed deal. I think he got like eight mil. I, I somehow missed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think, I mean, that that does seem like something I would do, I guess, to, to put him on the depth chart as a joke. I don't know why we have him on the depth chart as a center. I'm going to go that's ahead where, and remove That's where he's going to play, apparently. Remove that. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think at some point, like, I, I know we have Dang starting at small four. I think it's going to be Ingram. It's tough from a PR perspective especially when you know you're going to be bad like the lakers to not start your number two overall pick like you don't want to like if both la teams do that like the rams are doing with Goff right now like it's a it's just a bad look well don't compare ingram to Goff. I mean, come on <laughs> is he the jared Goff of this draft hell no ingram's like really good ingram's no, gonna have a really good career he is he is <laughs> um i don't necessarily love him this year if we're talking fantasy I really, really like him next year and the year after. I think he'll be, like, serviceable, but I think what you probably are going to have to pay. Um, I just think – There's going to be nights where he has six points on four shots. I think he's he's not going to be well, this dominant. I think his, like, good nights, you're still only going to mostly be getting scoring and three-point yeah. shooting. Like He's not going to – well, when you have Russell, you're not going to really need to ask Brandon Ingram to play make. Like, he's never going to be asked to play make, and I just don't – I don't know what he's going to do in terms of crashing the glass. I think he actually could be. He's a good rebounder uh, for his size. I think he could be better than like Wiggins in terms of like what he does in steals and blocks. Um, well, Wiggins doesn't give you really anything outside right. of like, scoring. You would think he would, and like you'd think Ingram would based on his length and his, and everything too. Yeah. And I think Ingram actually might do a bit more. Of that. Well, Randall's such a crazy like volume rebounder too that I don't think they're right. going to just be floating out there when they're on the court together. Mozgov cleans up everything that's in his everything in his, uh, area. So yeah. <sighs> So yeah, I don't think the Lakers are gonna be good. I think what we're gonna do <laughs> Hot a take. You saved that take to I know, the end. I know, I know. I should have just I should have just started it <laughs> off with that to Lakers hook to hook good. everyone in. Um <laughs> we'll have to do a league pass podcast one of these times. I, I think Zach Lowe does a league pass um, ar- rankings ranking? article. So we don't wanna we don't wanna encroach on our colleagues. Ours would almost be too like uh 
yeah, fellow insiders. Subjective. Um, yeah. Ours would be too Friend like outlandish. Like our like top like that's like, fine. Though. Eight of our top ten teams would be like teams we don't think are making the playoffs. <laughs> that's what the point of it is. No, we'll we'll get to that. We'll we'll do a, a composite ranking or something sure. like that to make it to try to tone down the outlandishness. But people want to watch Thon Maker. The, that's all the people, people want, want to see. watch Thon Maker. All how right, many, how many gifts are gonna float by uh, NBA Twitter? This, this year, I think this I, I actually talked to years. I talked to our, our co-boss um, Ken Kreitz recently <laughs> and uh, I'm actually just gonna get off of the I'm gonna get off of the daily news schedule I'm gonna get off a of video I'm gonna get off a of podcast just to focus on Thon maker gifts eight hours a day five days a week I think that that would probably be best for the company I think it'd be best for me I think it'd be best <laughs> for Thon himself I and mean, it's always all about Thon um, that's gonna do it for our Western Conference preview we'll get to the Eastern Conference uh, next week. But before we go, James just had an article go live on rotowire.com on Wednesday night. NBA draft kit, it's part of that. Uh, that'll be launching, I believe, next week. Uh, somewhat of a rolling deadline with that. But your Dynasty rookie rankings are now available on the site. You went 30 deep with these. Jake Lehman somehow made the list. Don, made the Maker, list. Don Maker at number one. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> Am I lying? I don't know. You have to read it to find out. But again, that's part of the NBA draft kit, Dynasty Rookie Rankings. If you're a subscriber, you can find that on the site. If you're not a subscriber and you want to read it or you want to read any of our paid content, uh, whether that's for NBA or NFL or anything else, rotowire.com slash free. Get a trial. Check out everything we have to offer on there.